Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. One, two, three. Great. To Mama Mia Out Loud, what women are talking about three times a week. I'm Jessie Stevens, and the last thing I purchased was a pair of tracksuit pants. Mia would call it loungewear. Were they poo brown? I didn't purchase those in the end because I felt a little shamed by some of the messages I got. I got sort of an off whitey colour. But they're the ones where the crotch comes down to, like, your knees. Oh, see, I like those. Yeah, comfortable. I'm Mia Friedman, and the last thing I bought was a one kilogram box of rice bubbles because online shopping for food is quite challenging because I wanted to get some rice bubbles, but they don't show you in context. Like, they don't show you someone holding the package of rice bubbles. And I'm not very good at understanding how much things weigh. So it's like... I thought one kilogram might be a small packet of rice yeah, bubbles. Actually, one. it comes up to my knee and I can't fit it anywhere oh, in my house. I would think it's like a one litre bottle of milk. Yeah. Like same size. Yeah. It's this not. is bringing me joy because I have exactly the same problem when I online shop Mia and I always just assume it's me is that I buy tins of tuna and I think I've bought the little ones but I've bought the big ones or I think I've bought the big ones I've bought the little ones and it's not just me, it's you it's too. very hard. So if any outlatters have any recipes for things I can do with rice bubbles, please... Let me know. (laughs) I'm Holly Wainwright, and the last thing I bought was the biggest cauliflower you have ever seen in your life. Because I have reinvented my entire personality now that I live (laughs) not in the city. And I buy my fruit and veggies from like farms. They get delivered to your house. And a $2 cauliflower was nearly as big as my dog. And I'm going to be making a lot of soup. Well, I think cauliflower's overrated. So how about that? I think it's it's a dumb vegetable. It's delicious. Anyway, the world is a little bit pufferfish right now. I think we have to acknowledge that. It's been a month since Sydney's COVID outbreak started. It's now spread to Victoria. We're very sorry. People have a lot of opinions. We talked endlessly in our meeting today about whether or not we were going to talk about it on the show as as a topic. And we decided no. Because there's a lot of shouting, there's a lot of fear and anger, which is entirely understandable, and we don't want to make it any worse. We don't want to have all that fear and anger spill over and splatter all over our already very stressed and scared Victorian and Sydney-based outlouders. So we have made a decision for Friday's show to distract and hopefully brighten up your Friday. I hope you'll agree it's the right call. You know we always listen to you. So, Mia, what's on the show? Well, I've got a best and worst of the week that involves my bottom. (laughs) And does your child need a personal brand? Perfect. And first of all, FUPO. I'm coming at you with a new acronym because who doesn't love a new acronym? A few episodes ago, 
Jesse spoke about Ash Barty's mindset coach, a guy called Ben Crow. Now, unless you've been living under a rock, you'll know that the mighty Ash Barty started a bleak week off very well when she won the Women's Singles Championship at Wimbledon on Saturday. And since a lot, everyone's talking about her secrets, um, many of which Jesse talked about already. You're well ahead of this curve, Jesse. As um, always. And, as always. And Ben Crow told ABC in Brisbane that one of the lessons about Ash's success in her mindset is that she has let go of fupo. Fupo is fear of other people's opinions. He said the big lesson is focus on the human being and less so on the human doing. And the power of acceptance and gratitude are incredible superpowers to enable you to let go of Fupo and own your story. Now, I'm not a championship tennis player. You might be surprised to know. But I loved this this week because for reasons that I don't understand... I've read a lot of bad reviews of my own book on Instagram this week. I don't know why. Normally I avoid this stuff. Are you searching your own um, hashtag? I don't search it, but I follow a hashtag. So it pops up. Like when people review the book on Instagram, it pops up. Because I'm not one of those writers. And there are some who go to Goodreads and deliberately read all their terrible reviews. Because So where do do you find these bad reviews? This sounds like self-harm to me. Well, it does. So say on Instagram, if somebody's got a book club or whatever and they post a review and they've got a hashtag of the book title that will pop up in my feed and the interesting little game I play with myself is I look at the picture and I see the tag and it says book review and then I go am I going to read on or not Mm. and for whatever reason this week I've read on a lot and this might be a bit weedy for people who haven't read I Give My Marriage a Year, but the main character of I Give My Marriage a Year is a woman called Lou who is deciding whether or not she's going to stay in her marriage. And a lot of readers hate Lou. Like a lot of women, and, and some people who love the book, but also say, I found her really problematic. I found her really difficult. I found her really unlikable. I found her really selfish. And I don't mind that kind of feedback at all because... I personally, I think we should write women characters who are complex and have a lot, you know, who aren't necessarily martyrs or just playing the accepted female role. Did you suspect that people might feel that way about her or or have you been surprised that people don't like her? Well, I knew that people would have opinions about whether or not they were Team Lou or Team Josh when I wrote the novel. And I knew that people would have judgments about certain things she does. So it's not a... um, massive spoiler because it's in the in the first chapter but she there's infidelity involved for example and so I knew people would have judgments and that's fine and I think that a a good book is one that gets you talking and thinking and all those things but the reason that the fupo is affecting me this week is because I'm writing another book right that's um, probably not a secret which also has a female lead character because of course it does and all this stuff I've been reading about how book's okay but I hated this woman or I couldn't enjoy this book because the woman was so unlikable and we talk a lot about female likability on this show but has twisted me up into this thing about this new female character I'm writing do I take on board all the fupo and make her really likable and you know maybe make some of her because that doesn't come naturally to me to write her that way that's not who I think she's the point of all this is how do you divorce yourself from Fupo, do you, should you, or is it just really valid feedback? Jessie. Look, if you didn't care what anyone thought about what you did, you'd be a psychopath. So that's all right to 
care about some people's opinions. And there are things to be learned, I think. There are people who say, who write on the internet or they're on television or whatever, and they say, I don't read reviews, I don't read comments. I've never been like that because I think that in some negative feedback, there are lessons to be learned. And I've learned a lot by emails that have been a bit angry or criticism or whatever it is. With that said, we are not designed for the amount of feedback we currently get. And I'm not just talking about the three of us on a podcast. I'm talking about the listener on Instagram who, you know, posted a meme about getting vaxxed and somehow ended up with 14 angry direct messages. That's too much feedback and it's not helpful. So what Ben Crow says is that what we need to do is be really clear about our beliefs and our principles and who we are. And there's this thing about not letting the tail wag the dog. Don't let those opinions and those criticisms and everyone else's thoughts about what you're doing influence the way you live your life. Because if you end up, Holly, creating a character that you don't believe, the audience isn't going to believe it either. And it's just going to be a big old mess. If we let ourselves be driven by other people's opinions, that's where, you know, we get ourselves into a lot of trouble. And so I think that's that's really helpful. I'm weirdly good at taking on other people's opinions. I was thinking about this when I was reading it. And I think that if you can write down on a piece of paper what you stand for, like, for example, I know this was hard for you the other week, Mia, but you know that you're pro-vax. So if people start yelling, it's like, yeah, that's who I am. Mm. So I can probably get out of bed tomorrow. And so it didn't make me doubt how I felt about vaccinations. No one likes being screamed at or abused or called names, but it didn't make me think, oh, do they have a point? Yeah, exactly. So does that mean, Mia, that you have to a certain degree managed to divorce yourself from FUPO? Look, yes and no. Whenever I write anything that's really important to me or really, really personal, I don't look at any of the commentary around it because I have to divorce what I'm putting out in the world from what other people think about it. If I'm putting it out in the world for something I believe in, either to express myself, like when I have written about miscarriage or anxiety or whatever it happens to be that's really, really important. But I'll come back to something that that Glennon Doyle talked about, which is the idea of feedback being like all the mail that comes into your letterbox. And every day you go out and there's maybe a hundred pieces of mail for her, not literally, but say a hundred pieces of feedback. And she said, what we've got to do before we just take all of that mail back into our house, being our psyche, we have to sort it. So she said, first of all, I put in a pile anything that um, is feedback about my sexuality or my role as a mother Mm. or about my appearance or about my religion because none of those things are up for, de- for debate. It was like what you said, Jesse, mm. about your beliefs. And then she said, and then I look at the, the things that are about my work. And she said, of those, I discount anything that's said in an abusive way or a disrespectful way. But so out of those, once she gets to the end of this sorting process, out of those hundred bits of mail or feedback, maybe there are four that she could learn from and that could be helpful for her to evolve her work and and 
take on board. And she said, they're the ones I bring into the house. But if you just bring everything into the house, then you're going to have a really messy house. What I like the most about Mamma Mia is that it really does feel like you're catching up with friends. And I've learned so much over, I mean, I've been listening for about a year, so I've learned so much over the past year. And more than anything, it just always makes me laugh. I love it and I truly look forward to it. I feel like I'm sitting around having a glass of wine with a couple of friends. It's really good. It's like my um, chill out time on the bus on the way to work. I think it's just, it's really representative of, of the community and of women in general and how they speak. Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. Does my three-year-old need a personal brand? This week, Kylie Jenner, who is, of course, a billionaire, she makes lipsticks and she's a member of the Kardashian family. She said that her three-year-old daughter, Stormy, is about to launch a brand. It's unclear what the brand is. I don't even think the brand really matters. It's, I don't think it's something that Stormy feels particularly passionate about, but I imagine it'll be a toy or technology or maybe clothing or something like that. She has her own office where she gets all her business done. She's actually um, launching a little secret brand soon. She did a sort of day in the life type video, Kylie Jenner did, and she said that she takes Stormy into the office almost every day and she sits in on business meetings and conferences. <laughs> and look, Stormy wouldn't be the first child to have a parent forge them a personal brand. Roxy Jasenko has done it here in Australia with her daughter, Pixie, who has Pixie's bows. Nine-year-old Pixie now has 90,000 Instagram followers and has one of the strongest, you know, brands on the market right now. Holly, in 2021, is it a gift to hand our children their very own personal brand? <laughs> Is that yeah, what you're doing for Billy and Matilda? While you were talking, I was considering what my children's personal brands would be because you know how brands are like to describe themselves with a couple of key words? Yeah. So and Billy was, would be like chaos. gamer kid. Oh. <laughs> I was thinking Billy's personal brand would definitely be chaos and Matilda's would best. Oh, my God, I don't even know what Matilda's would be. I think this is really interesting because... I wonder that for public people, but even for not so public people um, now, is this the sort of equivalent of the parent who says, we're going to put aside a bit of money every week since our kid's been born so that when they're 21 or whatever, they ha they're set up for a house deposit. Or, you know, a parent who thinks they're carving out a place in the family business for their child to set them up. Because I think there are kind of two types of parents. There are the ones who think it's their job to make sure they've cushioned and set up their child really well for adulthood financially or work-wise and there are those who believe well that's their responsibility they should sort that shit out you know I'm not going to help them that's up to you we all had to do it you can do it too and so I wonder if Kylie Jenner or Roxy Jusenko are looking at them their 
children and going and building you something for you to hold on to and take forward and that that's a real gift. But the thing is, is what we've learned from watching a million movies about like that guy in a small town whose dad just wanted him to take on the local hardware shop, but really he wanted to be a ballet dancer. You know, those kind of stories. What we've learned is that that's not always, the parental expectation isn't always what the child wants. So imagine if Stormy, who is being built a brand for her to take forward into the world to become a billionaire like mummy for selling, I don't know, glittery lip balm or whistles or something. What if she wants to be a brain surgeon or a mechanic? Or, you know, I think it's really funny because maybe that's just the world we live in now where they think they're building a business for their kid, but maybe it's just this, it's just a modern version that's setting up that kind of tension. Yeah, surely the worst thing you can do for a child is tell them who they are. And I'm not saying that yeah. Roxy and, um, and Kylie are necessarily doing this because it's just an element of what they're setting up. But I, I do think that being a child is about being playful and trying on different identities depending on the day and playing privately. And then you think that if that brand is built up publicly, then there's something set in stone a little bit about it. And I also think that if your child, the brand has a public profile, and by that I mean lots of followers, they stand for something, maybe they're selling you something, then I, as a citizen of the internet, have the right to call them a dickhead. And that's (laughs) worrying because, like, I don't want to be calling 10-year-olds dickheads. Why do you have the right to call a 10-year-old a dickhead because their mum is trying to sell you something? Because they're public property, because that's what you do when you put them in the public square. You mean you expose them to lots of feedback, yes, lots of other exactly. people's opinions exactly. to, to loop back. But I wonder if if this new building a brand for your kid is the entrepreneurial modern version of being a stage parent. Mm. Because isn't it just the same thing? It is, yes. but to a different scale, right? Because this isn't just... You know, there were kids at school that were dancers and they were, you know, they'd go and perform in front of 200 people and even that was a little bit about imitating adulthood because mm-hmm. it was always about the makeup and the heels and all of that on on what was essentially a child. But this is on a much bigger scale. But I think you're right, Mia, because the thing is, is that the world has, has moved on. So having your own business on Instagram is now exactly that. It's exactly as desirable as being a movie star. You know how there was all this hand-wringing a few years ago when there was a survey in the UK that said most children wanted to be YouTubers. And everyone was like, oh my God, it's the end of the world. But it's just that YouTubers are the new celebrities. So I think you're right. I think that in the same way that they used to be well, and there still are parents who are saying to that, my daughter's so talented, she's definitely going to be Kate Blanchett one day, so I'm going to spend all my money on making sure she has all those acting lessons. Now it's that my daughter's definitely going to be Kylie Jenner someday, so I'm going to build her an empire on Instagram. The worry mm. is that there's no talent behind any of this. So at least when you wanted to be a celebrity and not necessarily a YouTuber, but, you know, if you're growing up in the 70s or the 80s or the 90s, you probably wanted to be a singer. And part of that was being really good at something and having a skill that you could broadcast. But isn't this then more equitable? Because not everybody has a God-given talent, but 
but you want to be. Everyone can hustle even when they're three. Yeah. <laughs> you want to be famous. But... I disagree, Jesse. I don't think that the most famous singers in the world are necessarily the most talented or the most or the most famous actors in the world are the most talented. I think you need a whole lot more than that. And I think that maybe that, I mean, even though I'm not defending the idea of pushing, because I, I think that the first thing you said, which is it's very like you shouldn't be telling children who they are, is absolutely right. So I agree with you about that. But I don't actually think it is any different from pushing your kid to be on the stage, except for the public mm. exposure piece. Yeah, and it skews their values in the same way, which is that it teaches them that money and power and business and attention are the most important things, which is, that's a lot of therapy to undo. That's the best. It was so great. I loved it. Oh my God, that's the worst. Sucked. I like talking about bad things. Well, this is the part of the show for new listeners on a Friday where we talk about the best and worst moments of our week. And there's never any judgment. It can be something simple, can be something complex. I'm a little confused this week. I'm going to mix things up a bit because, look, many of us, in fact, about 11 million of us around Australia are living in a bit of a strange place at the moment. In New South Wales, we're at our the end of our third week of lockdown. And this week, I went for a colonoscopy and a gastroscopy, I think it's called, a camera up my bum bum and a camera down my gob. And... It was a routine checkup. There wasn't anything particularly awry. Five years ago, my sister-in-law was diagnosed with colon cancer and everyone in the family sort of rushed out and went and, you know, as a precautionary measure, had colonoscopies. And Colon um, cancer, all those cancers freak me out because there are very few symptoms. And then by the time you get diagnosed, oh, it's just... Well, that's cheery. Yeah, it is really cheery. Anyway, so that was about five years ago. And I just got, I happened to get a, a letter in the mail from my, whoever it was that did that last time, whose face I can't remember. He no doubt would say the same of me. And it happened that I had really low iron. So my doctor said, look, best to just make sure there's nothing nothing going on with bleeding internally. I don't know. So anyway, I went in for day surgery. It was pre-booked. And because it was a medical procedure, I wasn't breaking any lockdown rules. And it's funny, whenever there's a, there's a really grim day of preparation that you have to do when you basically have to fast and anyway I won't go into it but most people usually are like oh colonoscopy if you've ever had one but this time everybody that I told what I was doing had the same reaction everyone in Sydney which was oh be good to get out of the house (laughs) and you know what it was good to get out of the house so I think it's kind of quite symbolic of of where things are at that the best part of my week was going under anaesthetic and having a camera up my bot bot. I didn't realise oh. they knocked you out. My God. Oh, yes, oh, they yeah. do. They how do. do you feel, how do you feel when you wake up? Pretty good. How was your bum Pretty bum sleepy. feeling? Couldn't feel my, my bum bum felt mm. fine. My throat felt fine. Had a lovely sandwich, which was great. And I, and I had a chat to the nurse, which was, you know, making small talk with strangers is something we're not doing much at, at the moment. So if that was my best... Possibly my worst. <laughs> I love that your colonoscopy was your best. Like, stop yeah, it. It was. And everything was fine, by the way. I've got a bit of indigestion, but. We saw some pictures. Um, I did oh. share some pictures. And it was very. I said to Jesse, I said, how, well, I was like, 
how likely is it that Mia will not show us pictures of this oh, procedure? Of course. <laughs> I begged for them. And look, to be fair, I was still under the effects of that anesthetic. I cannot be held responsible. Yeah. Someone should have taken my phone and my computer away. It's not my oh fault. Oh my God. I'd like the listeners to know, just because this isn't a visual medium, but and we would share the the images, of course, if if no. you wanted to see them. But um No. They it was very wet. Happy to put them in the out louders group yeah, if anyone wants no. to see. Look, I only did the endoscopy. I didn't do the bum bum one. I only did the stomach one. Anyway, I reckon my worst was, uh, you know, I had to have a COVID test before I went. There were all these procedures. When I woke up, I didn't have a mask on because I'd just come out of an anaesthetic. The nurse did. She was quite young. She was maybe 20s, 30s. I couldn't tell. And we were just chatting and making small talk, post-anaesthetic small talk. And I said, oh, you know, I'm feeling good that I've, I'm fully vaxxed. And I said, have you had yours yet? And she said, oh, no, mm, I'm just going to wait a bit. I want to do some more reading. And that just made my heart sink because I just thought currently um, in Australia of the eligible people, so that's medical professionals and anyone over the age of 40, only 12.5% of people are fully vaxxed. Oh, my God. Now, that's of the, all the people who can get it. So I just, I, I, you know, having a bit of a dark moment in how are we going to get to 80% to achieve herd immunity so that these lockdowns stop if there are people who are either, I don't know if, if people are complacent, they're hesitant, they're ill-informed. I don't know. We certainly need a, a mass government advertising campaign to help inform those who might be hesitant to get with the program and get vaccinated because that is the only way we're going to get out of this. Anyway, that's my best and worst. Holly, what about you? So I'm going to start with my worst and it's to do with sport. So Mia, you'll have to bear with me. But um, it is a worst that turns a tiny bit into a best. On Monday morning, um, I was awake very early in my bed watching a football game that was going on in Britain because over in Britain there has been the European Championships. When I say football in this context, I mean soccer, where all the nations of Europe were playing. And you would be delighted to know, Mia, that you were only allowed to go to any of these games if you were vaccinated. And in Britain they could fill all of Wembley Stadium very happily with vaccinated people who were all jumping around and cheering, carrying on like pork pies. So that's good. England were playing Italy in the European Cup final. And so people of British descent like myself were quite excited about this because England never, ever, 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 ever wins anything in football. We haven't won a major tournament since before I was born. Let's put it in context like that. So the whole of Britain had lost their minds. Oh, my God, we're finally going to do it. And of course... We didn't do it. And what happened was in the last minutes of the game, because it was a draw, they went to something called a penalty shootout, which I won't bore you with. But basically, every like each team picks some players who have to go up and take a shot on goal. And it's a massively, massively high pressure moment. Like talking about sports psychology, I can't actually imagine a more high pressure thing than just you and the goalie with 60,000 fans. And you've just got to get that ball in the net. What happened is Britain lost, and that was sad, right? So all the British people are like, oh, sad, and my Instagram was, oh, sad. But what happened afterwards is my worst of the week, which is that the three British players who missed their penalties, and let's let's remember that two Italian players also missed their penalties. There was only a difference of one in the result. Uh, all happened to be uh, men of colour, and they were immediately 
and despicably racistly trolled, mostly by self-proclaimed England fans. And I saw some of this trolling. And I know that I shouldn't be shocked by anything that I see on the internet anymore, but I was so shocked. The words that people were using and saying, the other team didn't have any awful slurs in their team. That's why, you know, it was absolutely despicable. And these three men, these three young British players, Marcus Rashford, Jaden Sancho and Bukayo Saka, are all really young, really young and really brilliant players. And one of them in particular, Marcus Rashford, is actually an MBE, even though he's only 23. So that's like an award, you know, you get from the Queen. Terrible racist trolling. Marcus Rashford had to come out and issue a statement apologising to the nation for missing the penalty, but saying he's a proud black man. And it was so disheartening to know that that's all still alive. The only glimmer of optimism here is that what happened in Manchester, which is my hometown where Marcus Rashford is from, is there's a very famous and brilliant portrait, um, like graffiti portrait of him near where I live in Withington. And idiots had gone and racistly defaced it, written racist slurs all all over his face. And immediately locals went with plastic black bin bags and pinned them, like gaffer taped them over to cover up the awful slurs. And that immediately became a kind of focal point for all these people to go and show their support for Rashford and um, the other players, Sancho and Saka, and go and post up love hearts and messages of support and flowers. And then the Black Lives Matter protest happened. And like it, it was just it was just extraordinary it was just extraordinary and depressing with a tiny bit of hope so that was my worst of the week my best of the week is that my children are at school <laughs> and they started a new school this week Uh, in the new town that I've moved to, uh, which was very nerve-wracking for them and so far is going great. But I just want to say, like, my best was on Tuesday when I sent them off there. I understand exactly how lucky I am that I get to do that because so many of my friends in Sydney and now, of course, in Melbourne and the rest of Victoria are not sending their kids to school, are juggling devices around their house, trying to keep their jobs, trying to homeschool having kids crawling all over them and I'm so lucky and it was such an an amazing experience to see the school where we've moved to be so welcoming and inclusive of these new kids at this weird time and obviously I assured everybody there that we'd had all our tests and we posed no threat. We come in peace from Sydney. We come in peace without (laughs) any Covid and it made me very happy and that was definitely my best because so many of my friends are remote learning at the minute, juggling devices, trying to keep their jobs, having kids crawling all over them while they're trying to manage their schoolwork and everything. So I understand exactly how lucky I am to get to do that. My worst is also a world event that people might have seen headlines about all of this stuff going on in South Africa. Mm. One of my mates is South African and he started texting me about it and to be honest I hadn't opened the stories I couldn't take on any more bad news no I feel like I'm not across this issue yeah so I just looked more closely and in the last week 117 people in South Africa have been killed on the streets there are mass riots it's in response to the arrest of the former president Jacob Zuma he was arrested for corruption and and fraud but what is so devastating about the state of South Africa right now is, I mean, put COVID to the side. The the fact they have this variant of COVID that's circulating that's incredibly 
lethal and terrifying. One in two people in South Africa right now are unemployed, pretty much. And when you look at young people, the unemployment rates are over 70%. That's what the pandemic has done there. And there are people who can't afford to eat, who, what do you do all day? What you hope for? What the structure of your life looks like if you can't work? I can't imagine. And so what started off as a response to this president being arrested has just become widespread looting, people going into shops and taking what they need, um, people then setting those shops on fire. They don't, they're running out of food, they're running out of fuel. And these are port provinces. And what all of this chaos means is that the drugs and the ventilators that are needed to get need to get to hospitals can't because there's all this mess in the way. And so it's just an absolute disaster. There are then people trying to put these communities back together. We're talking more than a billion dollars worth of damage on top of all the other awful stuff that's happening there. It's just so, so sad. And it reminds you of what of why the unemployment rate is so important and why it is so important to keep it low because the discontent and the anger that happens when people don't have jobs, they don't have a means to an income is terrifying. And I just hope they've sent in 25,000 troops now to try and get it under control, but 117 people dead on, you know, on in broad daylight is just terrifying. So... Oh. That is my worst. What's your best, Jesse? Look, my yes, best. Bring it home with some joy, Jesse. Please, God. Yeah. <laughs> so my best is we've been walking our dog in the afternoon for just a little bit of um, joy. She likes going to the dog park and hanging out with all her friends. And we went to walk there yesterday and um, I walked out of the house and Luca, who never comments on my appearance, looked me up and down and said, this is as bad as it gets. <laughs> I had... Oh, my God. I had oh my tracksuit pants on that the, the tracksuit pants I had bought that the I new thought ones. were loungewear. <gasps> I thought Jessie. I looked really good. And my tracksuit pants, as I, the crutch went down to my knees, I then had socks and Birkenstocks, which isn't that unusual. That's quite on trend. I think so. I had a jumper, which I thought was quite nice. My face, I've been using a lot of skincare and I think it was quite red and inflamed. But honestly, I was like, whatever. So I guess I wasn't looking my best. And Luca just kept going, I wouldn't wear those pants outside. I think they're inside pants. It looks like you've got pajama pants on outside. <laughs> oh, my God. There was a lot of criticism. And I was like, okay, we're just walking Chili in our local park. This is about Chili and her happiness. We're walking along. No one's going to see us. No one's going to see us. And we're walking along. And for oh, no. five minutes, we were actually in a bit of silence just because what is there to talk about? Yeah. And I see that Luca's energy changes. And I think, that looks a bit like Luca's ex-girlfriend ahead of <gasps> us. And I've never met her, but obviously I stalk her on Instagram. No. Are you joking? Um, and she's walking towards us. And I see Luca sort of clock her. And I sort of clock her and we keep walking. And then he goes, oh, my God, that was my ex-girlfriend. <gasps> and the idea that poor Luca had to walk past his ex-girlfriend with me looking the way I did. We didn't even look like we had a great relationship because we weren't (laughs) laughing, we weren't holding hands, we weren't like 
deep in conversation. <laughs> we were sort of shitty at each yeah. other because he'd been having a go at my socks and sandals. Oh, my God. And I said to him, look, maybe <laughs> if you walked past me from a distance, I actually look quite cool because I think these pants are cool. Yeah. Were I you wearing these- a mask? I wasn't, but she was, which just made me feel even uh, worse. I wish you were uh, wearing a mask because she might have thought you were his little brother. Yes, <laughs> very true. For, for outlanders who haven't been following along for the last few years, Luca's ex-girlfriend is an actress. Exactly. And so she looked like she she looked great, better than anyone should look in the middle of what we're currently going through. And I was looking my absolute worst. And I know that if I was going to walk past one of my exes, I'd want Luca to be looking good. I'd want him in a suit. Yeah. I'd want him to be laughing at one of my jokes. Definitely. And carrying three copies of my book. Gazing at you adoringly. You have to start leaving the house with your book. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do, start wearing merch with just the name of my book on my jumper. Jessie, why didn't she say hello? Probably because of how I look. She well, didn't want to humiliate wait, us. Was this your best? This is almost as good as my colonoscopy. Yes. Okay. Obviously, it wasn't great. Oh. But the look on Luca's face when he, because he went, oh, that was her. And then I went, do you remember what I look like right now? And the look on his face of just like, I told you to do better, was just so joyful because I think I really got disappointed revenge. him. I disappointed him. And yeah. so that was... Honestly, a good point of tension in our week. I like it. Oh, my God. That's my favourite story. I wish she'd stopped for a chat. That would have been even better, though. She's lo- For what it's worth, she's lovely. Like, yes. she wasn't right for him at all, but she's lovely. <laughs> we don't not like her. Of course. But it's I, I totally relate. You, if you're going to be in that situation, Jesse, you, you want to be top of your game. Yeah. And we're all doing a lot of walking at the yeah. minute with our partners because it's the only thing we're allowed to do. And, like, nobody's looking good. No, I'm going to start, like, curling my hair for my afternoon walk. I don't understand why anyone's walking with their partner. Are we not seeing enough, those of us who live with partners, are we not seeing enough of them? What's wrong with you people? That's true. Uh, Jessie, you've got a recommendation to take us home. Yes, my recommendation. What we all need in our lives are more murder shows. I am watching a recommendation from Sally Hepworth, who gives exclusively good recommendations. Line of Duty on Netflix. Yeah. Have either Very of you watched good. it? No, what is Holly, it? have you watched I've, it? I've watched the first season. Yes. So everyone's talking about it because I think a new season has dropped. So this first season is a few years old. Oh, my God. I haven't been able to get into anything. All I do in the morning meetings is bitch about how horrible all television is because I can't. My attention span is mm. just so shit. This got me in. Brilliant. I watched it in two nights. Would I hate it? Yes. Oh, Is this another Shutter Island recommendation, Jesse? Uh, it's a police. It's a police procedural. Oh, yeah, no, I don't no. think they're your thing, are they? I'm out. Yeah, it's a British police procedural. Oh, if God. anyone needs something to watch with their partner this weekend, because that can be quite hard, this is a good one. We oh, both flatmate. really enjoyed it. Yes, exactly. Flatmate. Well, something dad. for the whole household to get behind. It was great, suspenseful, surprising. Loved it. Thanks for you two. All I can think about now is Lux listings. <laughs> Because <laughs> oh, yeah. I've started watching it. I've taken your recommendations. Like when when I was away and you recommended Starstruck Me, that's the best recommendation of all time. 
That is so great, that show. Was Starstruck on the ABC with the... Yes, it was. The woman, the the Kiwi comedian who meets the famous man and has the fling with him. Oh, that feels like it was a long time ago. That's a much better recommendation than Jesse's murder procedural. That's a brilliant recommendation. But also on Monday, you two were talking about Lux Listings and I was like, I'm never going to watch that. Mm. I did because I, you know, have respect for you both. And thank you. Thank you. That was a gift. Mm. I haven't heard a single bad word about that show. So if you're in Melbourne Brent hates Sydney, it. Oh, shut up, Brent. Brent's like, these people are infuriating. I'm like, of that's course, the point. That's the point. Mm. <laughs> anyway, that is all we have time for today. Thank you so much for listening to us on Out Loud. This episode is produced by Liz Ratliff and Sydney Peed. And if you're looking for something else to listen to this weekend, oh my God, on TGM today, we talked to Maggie Dent, who is the best no-nonsense parenting expert in the world and she talks about whether or not your child is a rooster or a lamb. Great show. Listen to that. On True Crime Conversations this week, it is all about The Serpent, which is actually a new Netflix show, but this is about the true story behind it, which is all about Charles Sobrage. Holy crap. So, so interesting. Go and listen to True Crime Conversations. And on No Filter, I interviewed Denny Todorovic, who is a non-binary person who identifies not as a man and not as a woman. And if you've ever had questions about what it means to be non-binary, I'm just in love with them. Go look up Style by Denny so you can see them and then listen to our conversation. It's heartlifting. Wherever you are this weekend. Oh, we send our love. Do your best. Do your best. Give up. Yeah, you know what? Don't do your best. There are so many people being like, exercise, it's not so bad. Shut up. I'm feeling how I'm feeling. We're not going to tell you how to feel. Just live your life. Are you going to cut me off now, Holly? No, you're allowed to say that. Live your (laughs) life. I guess what what I meant when I said do your best is like, whatever you need to do, just do it. (laughs) Sending all the love. We'll see you on Monday. Bye. Bye. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.